we had this insight that Jesus Christ, like this is a big thing and, and, and we could actually do something about it. We had no idea how to do it and what it would take. Uh, we just knew that it would be a big thing if we could. You realize we live in a world now where brands are taking stands on political issues. Outdoor apparel company Patagonia said it's preparing to take every step necessary. The global warming and that, a lot of it's a hoax. I stand with Nike every day, all day. Green is good. How dare you? I've changed my way of thinking. I'm only going to buy what I need. Welcome to the Brand Activism Podcast, the podcast that explores the role of brands as a force for positive change in a world of climate crisis, careless consumerism, and growing inequality. I'm your host, Christian Butz, and I'll be speaking to brand leaders and innovators who are at the forefront, shaping new ideas, behaviors, and business models for a sustainable future. My guest on this episode is Suvi Reinikala. Suvi is the marketing director at Anora, the Finnish company that produces the iconic Koskenkorva vodka. Suvi led the launch of Koskenkorva's Climate Action Vodka, the first vodka created entirely on regenerative farming methods that improve soil health and biodiversity while keeping carbon stored in the ground. Through this project, Suvi drove a massive brand transformation, which has put Koskenkorva on the map as the vodka brand pioneering sustainability within the spirits category. Suvi shares some great insights into what it really takes to drive change and how vodka can be a catalyst for creating a better world, just not in the way that you would think. Here's Suvi from her home in Helsinki, Finland. I hope you enjoy. So Suvi, uh, today we're going to be talking about vodka, uh, which is a great topic. But I think before we dive into the vodka story, it would be great if you could perhaps just give a short background story of your journey uh, up until this point. Yes. So regardless that I work with marketing, I'm also a consumer. And um, I want to work with brands and companies that share the same values that I have as a person. And we are all human. And I think we are all a little bit tired of being bombarded by advertising with companies with an agenda to consume more and more and more. And, uh, and sometimes with tactics that are either questionable or you feel you can't trust. Uh, I, as many others, have grown to appreciate brands and companies that actually are willing to put in the time, effort and investments uh, of something that actually has a bigger meaning than your company's immediate profit. And I believe these efforts will turn into a profit when you get the consumers to trust or you get consumers trust. But the idea is kind of consumers first. So for me, the feeling grew stronger when... I was lucky to work with brands like Koskenkorva that has a sustainability uh, as its backbone uh, way before it even ever became trendy. And it was all about making the bold move of taking sustainability as a key message, uh, as no one in the spirits industry was really daring to do so or talking about it in in that extent. Um, And it's always very motivating when you share a bigger target or a cause and you try to get the world to follow, especially when it's something that absolutely makes a world a better place. So who wouldn't enjoy that? So 
that kind that's kind of what what brought me uh, to where I am today. Awesome. So before we kind of dive into the story, um, I'd love if you could perhaps also just for our listeners provide a little bit of cultural context. So the connection between Finland and vodka. Yeah. I mean, uh, Finland is known for its high-quality vodka. Um, Koskenkora being the top-of-mind brand in the Finnish market and almost like a synonym to the whole category. Um, but uh, Finland is a northern and cold country with like long and tr- dreadful dark <laughs> winters. And, you know, this type of weather requires some tough people and tough spirits to survive, I would say. Right, um, right. But uh, but joking aside, I you know it doesn't mean that the Finnish people drink like sponges. <laughs> I think the average uh, alcohol consumption in Finland is according to the European average. But we just have a long history of vodka production, and Finns know what a good quality vodka is about, and and really ap- appreciate it. But even further than the connection to vodka, I think in the Nordics in general, we are really a forerunner when it comes to sustainability. The consumers here are. Uh, quite advanced in understanding um, uh, what sustainability actually is, how it should be followed. Greenwashing over here is not easy. Consumers are quite critical towards companies when it comes to the messaging. And that kind of pushes the companies to really think of these things and and really be on top of their game if they want to uh, succeed. And Suvi, if we now sort of hone in on Koskenkorva, uh, did I say that kind of kind of okay? Kos- Koskenkorva. <laughs> yeah, Koskenkorva. I know it's not easy to pronounce, but yeah, that's the the real name of the the place. Yeah, and because it is a place, uh, what's the story behind Koskenkorva vodka uh, and the brand? If you were to kind of take us through the story of the company and and uh, mm. the the journey of the brand so far. Yeah, so uh, Koskenkora was originally launched in 1953 uh, in the village of Koskenkora, which is located in the middle of Finland, and it is a true Finnish icon. Uh, it's still sold in the market today, and it's by far the market leader. Uh, but the global launch for the brand started from 2016, and there were like a couple of takes within the in the positioning between 2006 and 2009 before currently or, or landing the current positioning in 2016. And um, the vodka category historically is quite leaning towards like superficial values. It's a lot about bling bling red carpets, VIPs, models, and this very very in, you know exclusive culture. Right. Uh, talking about platinum distilled that uh, and, and so forth, but we saw an opportunity with authentic uh, brand positioning from a real Finnish village, uh, being the most honest, transparent vodka that there is. And uh, and and because at that time the the trends really changed, and consumers started to appreciate more small companies, uh, more uh, smaller brands, uh, authenticity, transparency, just for the same facts that you know the consumers don't know what to trust uh, anymore. And uh, and this positioning really really landed us uh, a success in 2016. We tripled the sales in Russia. We opened the U.S. market and various other markets. And, and it really hit like a, a soft spot within consumers' minds because it was something completely different uh, in the category at that time. And what was the uh, articulation of that? The positioning, uh, that positioning. What was the articulation of that back then? Yeah, it's the, the it's called vodka from a village, um, and and it's all about showing the the 
we work with over 1,000 farmers. Uh, it's about showing the real people, the farmers, the Koskenkorva family that is living in the, in the village today and, and, uh, and, and explaining the high-quality vodka we have, but with the tonality of this touch of uh, Finnish wit and quirk, as we say, because it's also like other vodka brands are quite serious and we don't... We also know how to laugh at ourselves. We are very proud of the high-quality vodka that we have, but the tonality also can be an irony to it. And that really, right. really uh, resonated with the consumers. So the village of Koskenkorva, uh, if you were to paint the picture for people who've, who haven't been, and I would assume that's the majority of, of people who yeah. haven't been to Koskenkorva, what, what does it look like? Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually amazing. Um, It look is completely flat. There is no mountains. There also is no seas or anything like that. But there is a river going across uh, the village. Um, there is two thousand people approximately living in the village, and it is just full of beautiful barley fields. Uh, it's a farming area, uh, and they grow uh, the the most northernmost uh, barley in the world in that area and it is just really unique. There is a lot of saunas as um, as the whole culture in Finland is all about saunas. Even the Koskenrua family estate has four different saunas. Um, wow. And yeah, they like to. Um, we always say that if you can go to the village, that village will come to you. So we basically bring this whole atmosphere of, of the brand to consumers who can't go, but. When we are taking consumers uh, or visitors to the village, they always uh, leave amazed because they've been to the sauna, they've been running in their sauna suits through the amazing barley fields, uh, sitting in a hot tub outside, and it, it is just uh, it is just very very cute. <laughs> I would say <laughs> when you meet the Koskenkorva family, they are just the nicest, loveliest people, uh, and with so much pride. Um, For the for the history of the brand, and it's just very uh, motivating to see. This was supposed to be an epic brand film for Koskenkorva Vodka. Snow top mountains, fancy downtown, vivid nightlife, limousines, world class rappers, and supermodels. Unfortunately, we have none of these things. This is the Koskenkorva village, for Christ's sake. We have been given nothing but barley and water. It doesn't make a great brand film, but it makes an excellent vodka. Vodka from a village. And is the company as such still run by the family? No, um, Koskenkorva family has been uh, owning the lands where the barley has been grown for hundreds of years. Right. But they are not, they don't own the company. The company is owned by Anora uh, with big production site right next to the Koskenkorva family house. But we have a very, very tight collaboration with the family. Okay, got it. But anyway, continuing a little bit on the story. Um, so when uh, within this positioning and a couple of years later, uh, we then uh, launched the Drink Sustainably platform. Since 
we then noticed that it get, gives us even stronger competitive advantage. And obviously, we um, we were thinking in the beginning how, whether the uh, consumers in the spirits industry actually care about sustainability, will it resonate, and, and how to communicate it in a way that it goes through, because it's quite a complex uh, matter to talk about. Because as said, the sustainability is something that has been the backbone of the company for various years already. The factory is running on bioenergy. We have 99.9% recycling rate. Um, we won a Green Company of the Year award for that in 2018. And so the story is there. And it, like I said, it's not something that we started doing because it's trendy, but we just started investigating if it's something that resonates with the consumers more than anything else that we do. And we were right that it did. It, it was actually surprising how uh, important this fact is for consumers. It's about half of the consumers uh, in the Nordics and, and elsewhere, based on, uh, for example, in the US, based on our studies, that, that really value uh, the sustainability uh, communication and claims. And then the other half... Um, uh, who might say that they don't uh, care about it, it also doesn't bother them. So it's definitely not a negative thing to anyone based on our experience at least. But having said that, I think the fact that because we can, we are so uh, credible when it comes to a sustainability story, uh, it goes through. But that is necessary for, for brands. You need to be clear in communication uh, on what it actually means. You need to be an open book uh, about it so it's, it's so you don't hide anything because consumers can really see through greenwashing. Mm. And, and I think uh, why we have been successful with it is that uh, we have the whole story. We are very transparent with our journey and there's nothing to hide and we don't greenwash. We don't plant trees. We don't compensate. It all starts from the, the basics, uh, understanding where the emissions are coming from and then uh, starting with our farming and, and uh, production, for instance. Right. That was the uh, the first step, uh, and then we started our regenerative farming store, uh, journey uh, on top of that, and uh, uh, and and this was basically uh, based on a massive insight that uh, how much we can decrease globally the emissions uh, if everybody in the world would farm regeneratively, and we because we already work with over a thousand farmers. Uh, First, we figure out that this is something that we absolutely must do, but we also must tell the world to follow on this because it makes a massive, massive difference. However, it was not an easy project at all because we were really doing something uh, as a forerunner and nobody really know, knew how to do it, what it even was. <laughs> and we had to find like right partners to collaborate with us on this uh, to get it going. Uh, but after uh, after two years, we we were able to uh, launch uh, world's first regeneratively farmed uh, vodka, and it gained a lot of global uh, interest and, uh, and PR towards us uh, for the company and the brand because it truly is revolutionary. What what happened when you first launched the product in a, in the shape that it has today? The, the interest was. Um, so, like, it, it caused, caught us by a surprise because um, everybody saw it as revolutionary because it's today's way, especially in the marketing industry, I would say, because uh, it's a rev like it's a new way of doing marketing. Like, you don't come up with uh, stories anymore uh, that you don't have to uh, 
go to the agency to come up with something that would make this brand interesting uh, to the consumers. So it's more about doing real things as a company and doing real things as a brand that you can then uh, communicate uh, to the world. And I think that's really inspiring, Not obviously not only to the company where, where we work in, but for uh, for other marketeers all over the world who, who really uh, were inspired by this way of thinking. So the, the feedback from the marketing community was, was super, super positive. Um, but also from the consumers, um, since they, they also saw the, the, the impact that this can do. And I think that is a journey that we are still on, uh, making consumers and everybody understand the huge impact that this will have and, and the fact that it's not so difficult to do. Now the journey continues and, and that is why I'm here today <laughs> talking about it because I really want the world to understand and, and follow on this movement because it's it's actually a, it's easier to do than you would think uh, and the impact uh, for the world are massive. Hmm. So if if we back up a little bit back to the big insight you talked about, so obviously yeah. it's become... I would say a mainstream understanding that agriculture, especially animal agriculture, but a- agriculture in general, in the in the in the traditional sense, is a a massive uh, carbon emitter. If if you were to kind of uh, break the the concept of regenerative farming down a little bit, just for people to understand, what is it? That differs uh, from traditional farming. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of farming today is done in a way that is called monoculture, and without going into deep into uh, too deep into it, what we can say is that it, it basically forces farmers to use uh, a lot of pesticides and fertilizers that basically end up in water bodies and essentially makes the water bodies toxic to wildlife. And at the same time, the soil get, gets actually worse and produces less and less crops. So regenerative farming actually does the opposite. It makes the soil richer. It increases biodiversity. It helps um, it to retain more water and nutrition and produces more crops. And at the same time, it draws carbon uh, from the atmosphere and stores it back to the ground. But it basically requires a big uh, shift in thinking um, because you need to rotate the crops, which means that you change what you crop uh, uh, on your farm every year. Uh, and you don't till the ground uh, because that's when you till the ground deep, as the, the, the farming today does, it releases the carbon back into the atmosphere. And that's a major problem. So you basically employ circular economy and plant cover crops. And... Um, and and it even goes as far as to the way you produce uh, your seeds. Uh, so you get the idea, like instead of simply taking resources from the nature, regenerative farming is a part of nature's natural cycle. And at the same time, mm. it draws carbon from the atmosphere and stores it back into the ground. So mm. it can sound complex, but it actually isn't. Um, this practice is way more... Uh, this practice is not more expensive or difficult as such. And I think that was a little, little like super uh, eye-opening to me when I started working in this project that, yes, there in the beginning, uh, the farmer has to put in some um, uh, investments for the equipment that, that this uh, way of farming requires. But after you've done that, it pays it, itself back really fast. And actually, it's more 
uh, productive and more profitable to to use regenerative farming than the the, the monoculture way of farming that is done today. So it's basically ba- ba- taking farming back to the sixties and how it was in the sixties. And um, and and I don't think we understood that in originally when this current farming methods were were started, it was for the reason that people believe that that will be more efficient. It actually, it isn't more efficient. And it's also what people did not understand the harm it does for the atmosphere and the harm it does for, for nature. So it's, it's, a, it, it's a lose-lose situation. It's not more efficient and it's really bad uh, for, the, for the atmosphere. So for everybody to actually go back to the way uh, the farming was done originally, which is the nature's way, um, it's, a, it's more efficient for the farmer. It's more uh, um, profitable for the farmer and, and also make a, makes a massive change um, for, the, for the climate. Mm. Wow. Yeah, wow, right. Like I, I, ha- I didn't know. And, 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 the, and the fact that if everyone in the world would farm regeneratively, we might be able to remove as much as 322 billion tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and that is 10 times the global emissions today so that is such a strong fact uh, that we can you know uh, approve what, what change we can make here and we really want everybody to do the same because like we in in the in the nordics as one company uh, can't make that big difference but if everybody would it will and and then again when it comes to communication um you know being clear and transparent and, and entertaining about uh, the message is important because if it gets too complicated, uh, consumers will just lose interest. And, and, you know, many consumers don't have the time and patience to start digging in if, if this is true or not. And I think, uh, it, it, but it, it's also a marketing challenge because it requires uh, uh, a lot of creative effort to, to build the, the concept that way. Right. What what are you doing um, uh, specifically to make climate action vodka uh, more entertaining or more human and less uh, fact based uh, in in the way that yeah. you present the product? Well, we call it climate action for the reason we don't call it regenerative vodka, for for example, because climate action is the actual result of the product and is so true that when you use regenerative farming, it has a huge impact, meaning action. Uh, for, for, for the climate. And, and that is very straightforward. So at least when consumers see it, they understand what, what the brand is, uh, what the product is doing. Um, and then when it comes to the communication uh, in the sustain, drink sustainability platform, we had this fan, very funny uh, film uh, about the villagers in the village of Koskenkorva because they, they basically uh, have all these fantastic sustainability stories that nobody knows in the world and they were thinking like okay how could we communicate about this in a way that people would care but at the same time it would not be boring so uh there's a whole set of films where the villagers are doing funny stunts in the village uh with like holding flags that that are saying that we use regenerative farming and and all these things to communicate the key things that we have around sustainability but at the same time um it's really funny to watch some Finnish quirky humor uh, in there. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. 
Mä uskon henkilökohtaisesti, että hiiliviljely tulee olemaan tulevaisuudessa ihan jokapäiväinen asia. Ei sitä erikseen mietitä, että se on hiiliviljelyä, vaan se on, niin kuin, se on, se on hyvää viljelykäytäntöä. The revelation and the insight around regenerative farming and how, you know, as a vodka producer, uh, that was actually an opportunity and also a natural continuation of the sustainability platform you had kind mm-hmm. of launched. How, how did you uncover that opportunity and 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 what was the initial discussions and reactions internally within the company to buy into this um Uh, this move. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been talking about this a lot because it actually started from marketing. Yes, um, uh, we, we together with the advertising agency, um, Bob the Robot in Helsinki, were looking into uh, into the global uh, report of emissions. And we, we had this insight that Jesus Christ, like this is a big thing and, and, and we could actually do something about it. And like said, we had no idea how to do it and what it would take. Uh, we just knew that it would be a big thing if we could. And it all started uh, talking to our uh, leadership team, of course, first, because without their support and push, we can't, can't do it. <laughs> and, and luckily, we are working in a company uh, with a leadership team who, who really uh, is working hard for this uh, environmental cause as it is. So They, uh, they understood, uh, agreed, and, and we got the support that we needed. And then, uh, and then the next step was obviously to, to uh, in the organization, to get all the key stakeholders with us, the, uh, the legal department, the, you know, uh, the PD, uh, innovation team, uh, the farmers, sourcing, everybody. And, and we quite fast understood that We have we have no idea what we're doing. We know we want to do it, but we don't know how. Um, and we needed help. And that's when we collaborated with uh, Baltic Sea Action Group, who is an environmental uh, uh, organization in Finland, helping all the companies to 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 on, on, on a lot of efforts. But region ready farming is one of them because, as said, they are protecting seas, and this uh, current way of farming is really harmful to to seas. For that reason, Baltic Sea Action Group was already trying to get companies to start this because it really makes makes a difference. So we uh, started the collaboration with them, uh, and then we and then we started uh, to search for a farmer who would be able to who are willing to take on this project. And we were uh, lucky enough to find Jari Erola, who was a uh, revolutionary uh, farmer in Finland who wanted to take on this challenge. And uh, together with him, we then were able to create a first uh, batch of this product after two years of, of working with it. Mm. But but now um, now it's 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 big thing for us. We have a huge target for regenerative farming for 2030, and we are uh, educating more and more farmers every day. And we currently have 20 farmers already working this way. And it, it gets easier for them when they see uh, one farmer already being successful and knowing how it's done. So it, it, the, the kind of hurdle to, to do it gets smaller and smaller. And so um, the product that is now produced in this way uh, is kind of positioned as a climate action vodka. And and how it, within the product portfolio, is it then the only product that is produced in this way with this kind of um, story around it? Uh, and is it the aim for 
for other vodka products within the portfolio to become uh, also regeneratively yeah, produced? absolutely. I mean, it is the only one today. The volumes are getting bigger and bigger. Our plan is that all of our vodka volumes by 2030 will be regeneratively farmed. And we don't then need to call this product climate action anymore because that will be the standard uh, for all of our volumes. And also, we believe that in the future, uh, there won't be no regenerative farming because in the future, regenerative farming will be the farming, if you know what I mean. Mm. I, we, I truly believe that once everybody understands what we understand now, this will be the future's way of farming. And we as a company are working very hard um, to, to taking, uh, taking the world into this direction. You've started also a climate action platform or sort of a cooperative platform meant to help scale regenerative farming methods. Is that correct? Yes, yes. That's a huge uh, part of our, um, our target. So we... Uh, as said, we have 20 farmers today and we are working uh, very hard uh, to, to train uh, and educate more of the farmers so that they know how to do it and, and will do it uh, for the future. Change is, is hard. And, and even though there might be a good story and you talked about how having the first pioneering farmer who could kind of pilot what success looks like helps drive change but talk a little bit about the process the change process and what are the conversations with farmers and and the sort of the the reaction from farmers uh when when making this this pivot if you will yeah that has also been surprisingly positive um at least from the farmers that we work with Everybody has been in the training sessions that we've had. Everybody has been really positive, really interested, really willing uh, to to go with it and 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 try. But I guess uh, you know it's not so difficult when you explain to them what I'm explaining to you here now that the way of farming in the past actually is not efficient, uh, and secondly, it's more profitable and 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 more efficient for our farmers to do it this way, and. And I think that uh, one, one, once that is understood, then it's 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 a no-brainer. And I, I I just don't think I think it's just a, a matter of a fact that people don't know this. I didn't know this, and it's really eye-opening to understand this fact. So mm. uh, for us, it's been uh, good uh, as it is now. We see it more of a challenge of getting the message across faster, so we could make the movement faster. I'm curious just about, and you talked about that. Earlier, like the life cycle assessment uh, method and how to really track the changes that uh, this is actually making and the positive impacts. Can you talk a little bit about how you uh, how you work with that and how uh, detectable the positive impacts that you've already created? How, how how visible is that, and in what? shape and form do you measure that the calculations are there for the key brands and for the company and and we have streams uh, for each of the the targets that we have we have working groups and we have meetings constantly following up how the projects are pro- proceeding uh on the on the on the company level uh we have a a system where we follow targets uh, and and then are also reporting the the emissions and and all that uh, to our board of direction 
directors. I'll give you an example on, on the regenerative farming because the uh, Baltic Sea Action Group uh, has been the first uh, organization to actually set up a, a set of meters on how do you make sure that the, whatever field that we are using re- or, or farming re- regeneratively is actually then conducting the CO2 back from the air as planned. We follow very carefully that mechanism that that organization is using because it, it's then reliable. Uh, the only thing is that we want to uh, certificate it so that there, w- there would be a certification saying that this product is regeneratively farmed and then everybody in the world would follow because then, it, then it's actually credible. But that's also another thing that, you know, we are so much of a forerunner here that we don't even have that specification in place. We are very proud of our product and grateful for the success. But without your support, none of this would be possible. As a token of our appreciation, we, the 2,172 citizens of Koskinkova Village, have gathered here today to thank you, YouTube user, for choosing not to skip this video. Commercially, how well is the climate action vodka doing? It's growing all the time because we are putting more and more effort to it uh, than we did in the beginning. Um, uh, we are currently expanding with that uh, to to many global markets, and uh, and it's it's growing steadily. And as said, in the long run, long run, our aim is to have all of our vodka regeneratively farmed. Um, so this is definitely just the beginning. Here you have a brand that is a really authentic story and it's coming from an honest place, but you're also um, you're also fueling change by actually uh, using kind of a marketing thinking. Uh, and, and, and obviously you're producing a product uh, that's not only changing the paradigm for how to make the product, but you're also uh, making a product that's interesting enough for people to buy. And so this whole uh, sustainability and Pairing the sustainability idea with a commercial agenda, uh, you know, going hand in hand. Can you talk a little bit about what's been what's been the process here, and uh, is it just as profitable to do stuff like this as it uh, was just selling you know, the regular uh, vodka? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, it re- it does require investments and time and effort from companies, and I think that's one of the main reasons why many companies don't want to do it. Because when they start looking into it, it's like, oh my God, this is expensive and difficult, and 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 uh, and many leadership teams just don't want to even go there because it takes a lot. But uh, I think with with the, uh, with a good management leadership team, it's it's all about restructuring uh, the company in a way that there is funds released uh, for this kind of uh, projects, uh, if you will. Because uh, as said in the beginning, this is something that will drive the profit for the company and for the brands in a later stage moving forward. Uh, I believe firmly that the world is going to turn into into a way that many, many consumers will start uh, purely uh, refusing to buy brands in the future who don't have these things in place. We can already see that from uh, Gen Z. Uh, the younger generation, um, they are already heavily there. 
uh, and it's just the older generation who is not. But once once they are gone, it's going to be the brands and companies uh, who who focus on these kind of things who are in the front, if if you will. Mm. So definitely, to me, they one hundred percent work together. Uh, but it it just requires a skillful management to be be able to uh, restructure the business in a way that these kind of uh, um, things can be supported. And how do you see the role of uh, marketing and, and brand uh, leaders in, in, in that process? Yeah, I think marketing should always be close of close to the core decision-making. I think in every leadership team, there, there should be a market, marketing person present um, and, and, and driving these things. And, but I, I think um, uh, marketing has a huge role in communicating these to the, to the, the leadership, but also the board of directors and, and convincing uh, everybody, just, just as we did uh, when it comes to the regenerative project um, and how important it is. But obviously, it requires a certain mindset uh, from the whole company um, that is open to change. Uh, and and uh, and willing to to put in the time, the effort, and the investment that these kind of things takes. You've sort of, I think, clearly uh, sketched out the the difference between storytelling and then actually doing things. And I'm also thinking here, you're you're actually saying, well, innovation is going to be much more the driver of of growth and change moving forward than perhaps has been the case uh, in, in the past, uh, even though it, it the innovation in this case is actually going back and rediscovering old, old methods of doing things. I'm just wondering, what's your take on you know, like innovation and how are you thinking about innovation uh, compared to when you started the job with the, with the Costco Corva? Yeah, I think innovation is very important, and as it, as you said, in, innovation can can also be going back uh, to the old methods. Basically, it just means changing uh, the way that we work today. And I think innovation plays a huge uh, part of it because we constantly need to understand where the world is going and how should we um, change the ways that we work and the ch- things that we do um, in order to to you know be a better company, be a better brand, uh, talk, do things that consumers care about. Um, because um, I think it, it all starts with the consumer and, and, and what do they need. And, and we obviously try to respond uh, to, to the needs of the consumers, but also we have the responsibility as a brand to create those needs that the consumers don't even know. And I think this regenerative farming is one of the one of the things that I think we can educate a lot of people about this uh, in order to increase the knowledge and make people to, to understand and understand how important this actually is. So, um, so yes, we, there's a lot of innovation we do for the brand, not just this one, um, but I obviously can't tell you <laughs> what kind of projects we have in the pipeline, but <laughs> you'd have to kill me. Yes. <laughs> so on that on that note, just looking to the future a little bit, how do you see the role for brands evolving in the future as platforms for change? And you just said actually leading the way and also helping people uh, realize needs that they might not have thought of but that would also nudge people into a more uh, sustainable uh, consumption pattern uh, than Mm. what is currently the case. 
like companies in general play a huge role um, in this world when it comes to turn, uh, you know, um, uh, making a change. And and I wish more companies would understand this and make the steps necessary, uh, not because it's it's business opportunity, but because it, they actually care uh, as as people and as human. Uh, and this caring is something that translates into purpose and a message for consumers that they will appreciate and want to to support. And as said, that should be to today's marketing. It's not about coming up with stories, gimmicks that consumers are tired of bombarded with by this, by that. Uh, it's you know, uh, it should be more about doing real things as a company that can actually then make a difference, and then you just communicate that. And I think. Uh, uh, companies play a massive role uh, in in order make for the marketing in the future to 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 make this happen. Suvi, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you for listening to the Brand Activism Podcast. Sound mix was done by my awesome brother, Christopher Butts. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you enjoyed the show and have a great day.